0: What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by my man Sean Hyken, who covers the Portland Trail Blazers for the Rose Garden Report newsletter and podcast to break down a big offseason ahead for the Blazers. We're going to touch on Damian Lillard's future, what Portland will do with the number three overall pick, Jeremy Grant's upcoming free agency whether Anthony, Anthony Simons could be a potential trade ship and more. Sean, I appreciate you joining me on the line, brother, as uh, we get ready for a busy off season for Portland ahead. How's everything your way, my man? Everything's good, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. You know, we were, we were kicking it around a little bit at the uh, NBA Draft Combine at Wintrust Arena in Chicago. And uh, I enjoyed the conversation very much. And I was like, you know what? We might as well put it on a podcast and, and get it out there for people that are Blazers fans and, uh, you know, also from a national perspective, I mean, they've got one of the top free agents on the market in Jeremy Grant. Uh, Damian Lillard is always a topic of conversation. And I think we might as well start there. Um, You know, when Damian Lillard created a little bit of a stir when he showed up to watch the Brooklyn Nets at Barclays Center during the playoffs, caught his guy Mikhail Bridges playing. Um, But with that said, I mean, Portland still plans to build around Damian Lillard, I'm told. And to me, Sean, I, I, I said this to you in Chicago, and, and I'll reiterate it for the fans that are listening, that this situation reminds me a little bit of when the Knicks were trying to contend during the end of the Carmelo Anthony era, Um, where it was towards the latter part of his prime Um with a team that wasn't close to competing for a championship. To me right now, it's like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole because you've got a guy like Damon is prime. Jeremy Grant is entering his prime going to be 29. You know, I would say Nurkic is in the prime years of his career. And then you've got these younger guys like Anthony Simons, you've got shade and sharp and, and younger rotation players around them. Um, I mean, Sean, we kind of went back and forth and again, a little bit in Chicago on this, but with Damian Lillard, do you think it makes more sense to keep him as the face of the franchise going forward um, and trying to compete or do you move a guy like him who would be the NBA would shut down? Until Damian Lillard is traded, like if he was ever to be put on the market, the offers he would command would be pretty high, um, given his age still and, and his impact on the game when he was healthy last year in the games that he played. What do you think, in your opinion, Portland should do with Damian Lillard?
1: I think if if he were to ask for it, which he is not done yet, he is not said he's going to there's no real indication that he's going to as much as you know people kind of want it to happen around the league that's been a thing for like three years I think when you're I don't know to me to me when you're a team in a market like Portland and you have a guy who's still you know an all NBA level guy and he still wants to be there and he's still as good as he is I don't know if you I don't know if the move is to really just say, hey, you know, this is great. You know, we have this guy, greatest player in franchise history, still at a very high level. Let's just, let's just, you know, trade him proactively and start over. And maybe one day some of these other things that we get will turn into somebody as good as Dame. Like that, that to me, that's always been more of a play when a team does that for the GM to preserve their job security, to say, hey, you can't fire me because I'm in the I'm starting a rebuild, than it is what actually makes sense for the organization. I think, I think if Dame were to actually, you know, reverse course and say, Hey, you know, we've tried, you know, it's time to get me somewhere else. I think they would work with him and get him somewhere he wants to go, but that is not what I've heard that they're thinking about doing or what their mindset is at all right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just think then it's interesting around Dame, like how they're, how they're going to try to get better. Um, And I mean, with that said, obviously a big part of that is, Portland having the third pick. Um, obviously that to me, that made them one of the winners on uh draft night because I look at this draft, I mean, look, I know, you know, you've got other guys after the big three, Wembenyama, Yama, and you know, you could flip a coin whether you like Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller more. Um, after that, you know, there's there are other players, but you talk to most executives, this is a top three draft that you feel pretty good about where you're getting a a legitimate all-star caliber player and you know rival executives have have been closely monitoring portland believing that that third overall pick is a potential trade bait if the blazers do indeed try to improve the roster and compete with lillard entering the prime of his career um the, the end of uh, the prime of his career i should say um and since the draft lottery since i saw you in chicago uh, Portland has received inquiries from various teams interested in the third pick I'm told. And, you know, thus far Portland's listening, but the sense is that the Blazers are comfortable taking either Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, you know, if either player falls to them, depending on what Charlotte does at two, or if they trade that pick, um, you know, I look at Brandon Miller, he'd bolster Portland shooting and give them some front court size at the small forward position. And, With Scoot Henderson, theoretically, he could play alongside Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons in a three guard lineup. Dame could shoot very well. You could play him off the ball. You know, down the line, you could have Scoot as your guy that's uh, the point guard of the future if you ultimately decide to move Dame or he wants to ask out as well. Um, I'm curious to see how they would use it. in potential trade talks because my understanding is among Portland's priorities, it's to improve uh, size in the front court. So when you take all of that and, and you put it in a, in a bowl and you start to stir it up, Sean, I mean, you're on the clock and you're Portland at the three pick. What are you, what are you looking at? What are you hearing that they could do with that third pick? Because they've certainly got a lot of options here.
1: They have a lot of options, and I think, uh, I, you, you know, you're absolutely right when you bring up you're. They're on the clock at number three because I think whatever they do is going to happen in those. What is it? Five minutes that teams get for picks in the in the first round. Is that the amount of time? It's going to happen while they're on the clock. Whatever they decide to do, I just you know I don't. Obviously, it's not impossible that they keep the pick and draft somebody while also keeping Dame. I think it's very unlikely. That that's the way it works out. I think it. They. Everybody's pretty much telegraphed. You know, both Dame and uh, Joe Cronin, the general manager, and Chauncey Billups at his exit interview. Everybody's kind of said, you know, everybody's kind of in lockstep. You know, we need to get a more veteran roster. We need to put more you know, win now type of guys around Dame. Now, if they had gotten the number one pick, they would have taken Victor Wembanyama, and you put him next to Dame. And that's the one guy where you feel like he's going to be ready right away to contend. Like that's that's the one time where I think they definitely would have kept the pick. Now with the situation being what it is, you know, they, like you said, it was a huge win for them that they moved up to the top three in what most people think is a three-player draft. I think they're in pretty good shape as far as, you know, being able to use that... pick to get somebody I think it's more likely that they trade the pick than that they uh keep it but I think that's gonna you know come down to while they're on the clock because you know the rumor right now I mean I, th- I think I think probably more draft evaluators that you talk to I, I it's not like a 100% consensus but I think the majority of people you talk to like Scoot Henderson more than Brandon Miller. Like I would say that's probably like, it's not, it's not like a slam dunk, but I would say the majority think that he's the best, second best player in the draft behind Wemben Yama. But the rumor, right? And this is why, you know, Charlotte moving to number two in the lottery is pretty significant too, because the rumor at the combine, and I'm sure you heard the same thing, is that they really like Brandon Miller and they feel like he's going to be a better fit long-term with LaMelo Ball and that that might be where they go at two. But we won't know. That could just be posturing. That could be a smokescreen. That could be whatever. We won't know what is really out there for Portland to do until Charlotte does whatever they do at two because there could be some teams that Portland could be trading with that like Scoot Henderson, but not Brandon Miller and be willing to trade Portland somebody good if he was there at three, there could be teams that like Brandon Miller more than Scoot Henderson and be more likely to do a deal if they're like. So, this is all going to come down to those five minutes that Portland is on the clock. But I would expect that it's more likely that they trade the pick than that they keep it.
0: If they go that route and they do look to move the pick, are there guys out there that you foresee them trying to acquire? The, I'll say this. Have you heard any guys that are on Portland's radar um, that you could see them going after maybe in the front court um, that that would make sense for them?
1: I mean, there's, there's a few, I, I have, I have a few guesses. They're kind of just guesses at this point. I don't know if I have anything solid enough to really, uh, you know, what else, what I'll say is this, they have figured out that, you know, Jeremy Grant, who I'm sure we're going to talk about later, was such a good fit next to Dame that, you know, they kind of figured out the idea of, you know, athletic wings that can defend multiple positions. I think they've kind of figured out that they need more Jeremy Grant. So that's why, like, you know, being in Chicago, I got a lot of questions about could Zach Levine be somebody that they're in in play for with the number three pick? I don't think that's really something that they're looking at. I think they would be more interested in – you know, let's say Boston loses this series and they decide not to pay Jalen Brown and that becomes a possibility. I think that's something they would look at. I think, you know, Pascal Siakam is kind of a weird fit next to Jeremy Grant, but you know, talent-wise, I think that and, and you know, you know, skill set wise, I think that's something they might, you know, be interested in if that were to be a possibility. It's it's that that's the type of guy. I don't, I don't have like a list of names that I know that there, you know, is their list of names because Again, a lot of stuff can change between now and a month from now when they're going to have to be making these decisions. But that type of player, I think, is more what they're looking at than some of the other stuff that's out there.
0: I think, yeah, I don't I don't see Zach Levine. They, they got enough guard stuff right now to me. I, I think it's more if you would move it, I would think they would look more in the front court. And Pascal Siakam's situation is interesting to me in Toronto because you've got to. They've got an interesting timeline demographic there where you've got Scotty Barnes, who's really young, just scratching the surface. And they've made him essentially untouchable in trade talks. And then you've got Fred Van Vliet, who's in his prime now as a free agent. Um, you know, Pascal, OG Ananobi, both those guys, potential extension guys you're going to have to look at down the line and paying pretty high salaries if, if you're able to work out a deal with them um, you know, theoretically, you know, I I don't know if you give up a third pick for Pascal, but if you did and you're, this is all hypothetical. Um, if you did, then, you know, Toronto can take a guy like scoot theoretically and make him the point guard of the future. Or do you get Brandon Miller, put him, uh, as a wing guy and you keep Van Vliet that, you know, there's a lot of optionality there for them as well. Um, I thought that was an interesting, uh, Opinion-based name, you know, I'll make sure I throw that out there for you to cover you for all the uh, aggregators out there.
1: Yeah, this is this is all no, this is not reported conversations. Also, I'll also say one other thing uh, about the Toronto situation, mm-hmm. a name that I've kind of seen thrown out there as, you know, a Portland, you know, possible target is OG Ananobi. They like him. They've tried, you know, they they had pretty serious talks with Toronto last year around draft around draft time about him. But I will say that they didn't decide. They decided not to give up the seventh pick last year for OG Ananobi. I don't see a world where they then a year later give up the third pick and a better draft for him. So I just want to get ahead of that one because that's another one that I'm going to probably see thrown out
0: there a lot. I agree with you there. I think that's more of a Pascal Siakam kind of guy. Yeah, if you're going to toy with the idea of giving up that third pick, I. I agree with you there. Um, I'll say this. Do you have a sense at three? They'll tell you both guys could fit. Okay. Scoot and, and Brandon Miller. But you would think on paper, given the roster that they have, if, if they kept the pick, there's a case to be made that Brandon Miller positionally would be a better fit. I'm not saying a better player than Scoot Henderson. I'm saying positionally. And you don't know if Scoot's going to even be on the board or not. Do you have a sense which way Portland would go if they were on the clock and ultimately kept the pick?
1: I don't know yet. I think that that's going to probably be figured out in the next few weeks. They they ju- they have just now started the process of bringing people in for in-person workouts post lottery like i i I believe that right now the whole front office is down in la because the different agencies are doing pro days but a few days ago they had a work out where they weren't really bringing in any lottery guys it was a lot of kind of you know Colby Jones from Xavier is a projected first round pick that they brought in and Andre Jackson from UConn is another one those were more kind of projected late first early second you know ty- the types of guys that they might be looking at with the 23rd pick that they have from the Knicks and the Josh Hart trade so I would imagine that at some point in the next few weeks they're going to bring in Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller to Portland for in-person workouts, as well as, you know, they might go a little bit further down the top 10 as far as like Cam Whitmore or the Thompson twins or Jairus Walker, you know, and any of the other guys that are projected to go in the top 10, not that they would seriously consider taking those guys, but it's all, you know, it's all about due diligence. You want to get info and intel on as many of these guys as possible and get them in your building. So I would imagine that once they bring those guys in for workouts, we'll start to hear a little bit more about which one they like, maybe who did well in the workout. You know, if somebody sold them, you know, it, w- w- whatever the case may be, I don't have, I don't really have a feel right now. I would tend to agree with you on paper that fit wise, Brandon Miller probably makes more sense if you're going to keep the pick and keep Dame. But I think it's a little bit too early to say which way that they would uh, lean that way.
0: I can confirm that they were definitely in LA for some of these, uh, agency pro days. Um, and, and I agree with you on your assessment of the the guys that they could look at, you know, towards uh, that, that pick range that they got from the Knicks. Uh, we touched a little bit on Jeremy Grant and how, and you mentioned how good of a fit he was next to Damian Lillard. I think he certainly recognizes that. What's interesting is Jeremy Grant could have extended with Portland for roughly $113 million over four years but he's not expected to go that route um, ahead of free agency. And he will become one of the top unrestricted free agents on the market this summer. And, and what's interesting to me is where his value lies, because if you're looking at passing on that extension, you're essentially thinking that he's going to be above, you know, $30 million annually. And if that is the case, does he fall in the $35 million? Like what's the sweet spot number for Jeremy Grant where you're trying to build around Damian Lillard and obviously retain Jeremy Grant as a core piece for Portland. Is it, where is it? Is it somewhere in that 30 to $35 million range annually per year, looking ahead over the next four years? That to me, you know, I I don't, if it's more than 35, I'd, be a little surprised, but I think it's in that 30 to 35 range somewhere.
1: I think it's going to come in right around 30, because that that extension that he was eligible for, I think that max, you know, per year, obviously there's like different, you know, raises or whatever, but it's right around 27, 28 was the extension that he turned down. And the reason that he turned down the extension was because he could get both the fifth year and more money per year that, you know, as a free agent. So I think it's probably going to come out to like, somewhere around 5 years 150 so 30 a year he gets that extra year probably a player option i would expect i know that he gets talked about as one of the top free agents on the market i would expect that that gets done pretty quickly and it it, it might even be like a 1201 on june 30th type of signing like there's when he when they offered him the extension and he turned it down like i i would i would be shocked if they hadn't already started talking about like what his next deal was going to look like so i think and you know if you look at like what they said you know what everybody kind of said about it at exit interviews dame said that he expects jeremy to be back jeremy said that he wants to be back and he's comfortable here and wants to be here i would expect that that one gets done pretty quickly at around maybe the maybe i would i would say probably like right around 30 like five years 150 something like that is what i would expect that to be
0: Yeah. I mean, look, certainly Portland is in the driver's seat, I think, to re-sign Jeremy Grant and, you know, the fit made sense. Everything about it, logically on paper, he can play both forward spots. Versatile guy, defensively brings a lot to the table. Um, I agreed with you in the sense that it was more logistically based that he declined the extension, could get a little bit more money. Um, I'm with you there. I think, Certainly, he will draw interest from other teams uh, around the league, but ultimately, like we touched on Portland's in that driver's seat there. And, you know, when you look at building around guys in Dame and in uh, Jeremy Grant, I think Anthony Simons is an interesting name here because they just signed him to a deal recently where you're looking ahead at the cap. Um, he's had a decent number.
1: It's a pretty good deal.
0: Yeah, I mean, with with the cap going up, and, I, and I'm pretty confident the people in uh, in Portland themselves will tell you the same thing. So what's interesting to me about Simons is I think back to years ago when Neil O'Shea was running the team, Portland could have traded Anthony Simons um, as part of a package for Aaron Gordon at the time when he was with Orlando. And now, of course, Aaron's uh, with Denver and headed to the NBA Finals. But Neil O'Shea didn't pull the trigger. And to me, I think it's interesting because Simons is is a young guy with some upside. He's he's on a a good deal to me. And I think most people around the league would uh, say the same from what I gather. Certainly Portland thinks it's a, a good deal looking ahead, especially with the cap rising. So- do you think that Simons is more part of the core or do you see him being a, a really good trade chip that they can use to get more of a, a win now guy uh, that's a veteran type of player in his prime?
1: My guess would be that he's the other piece included with the number three pick and whatever deal it is that they make because you know wh- whoever they bring in, whether it's Siakam or Jalen Brown or whoever – you got to match salary. And so Simons plus Nurkic gets you to around 40. So that's enough to match whatever. And Simons is, like you said, a guy with some upside who's on a pretty good deal. I think that they knew kind of going into the second half of the season that they were going to have to make a decision long term between Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp as like the long-term, you know, guard to have next to Dame. And I think that over the last month of the season, Shaden kind of made that decision for them. So I think if I had to guess, I think that whenever they trade the number three pick for, you know, one of these more win now type of guys that we're talking about, I think Simons is probably also going to be in the trade.
0: That's a lot. I mean, like a third pick and Simon's, it's not nothing to sniff at. So you better, no, you be- can
1: get some stuff, especially if Scoot Henderson, who, again, most people think even, you know, that the rumor is that Charlotte might, uh, take Brandon Miller, uh, second. And so if you have the third pick and, you know, the guy that most people think is the second best player in the draft is available at three and you're putting up Anthony Simons also like they could get some stuff.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's a pretty compelling, uh, trade package there. You know, Nurkic is interesting to me. You brought him up too. Um certainly his salary would make him an interesting kind of trade piece there. Um right at next year, I think he's at almost 17 million a year. Um given Portland's trajectory and um the way they've talked about building around Dame, you think Nurk is a guy that is a part of that plan going forward or similar to Simon's, uh, a potential trade candidate there.
1: Oh, God, they've been trying to move Nurk for, you know, they tried at the deadline. They didn't really find any deals they liked. Uh, I'll say this, when they signed him to that deal last summer, I think the plan was always to eventually move him. I think, And I think they kind of know. I mean, Nurk is not, like, he was, you know, being here locally, I see a lot of what fans say, and he was kind of the guy that got a lot of the you know, he was, he was, he was kind of the scapegoat for a lot of things. I think a lot of that was a little bit unfair, but I think if you're a team that's trying to make noise in the playoffs in the way that Portland is trying to, in the last few years of Dames Prime, I think you need more out of the start. He's basically a league average starting center. There are better guys than him. There are worse guys than him. The health stuff is always a concern with him. You know, the conditioning and, you know, motor stuff has been kind of a, concern with him over the years i think uh, here's kind of where the way that situation broke down was last season he was having you know a pretty he was having like almost a career year or at least the best year that he was having since you know that leg injury he had a couple of years ago and they shut him down to tank and clutch allowed them to shut him down to tank with some sort of you know backend like hey you know we'll take care of you and that's kind of more where that contract came from than them feeling like uh you know he's our he's their extender of the future so I think I th- I th- I think Nurkic is somebody they are very much you know open to moving I I don't I don't think he's somebody they view as a, a long term piece I think they you know depending on who they you know who's out there again if you're you know if you're if you're trading for like Pascal Siakam And the assets in terms of like upside stuff that are out there or that are in the trade are Simons and the number three pick. You still have to match some salary and Nurkic kind of slots in there. So I think they would use him in that way. And then you maybe just like find someone on the mid-level to be your new starting center if you feel like you upgraded the other spots. But I I would expect that Nurkic is somebody that they look to move.
0: Gotcha. And yeah, I mean, look, I think the center position overall, unless you have Embiid or Jokic or an elite starting center a truly elite starting center, the center position has gotten a little bit devalued over the years. And to your point about whether you use a mid-level and heck off the bench, you know, you got people that sign guys to veteran minimum deals um, that are really good players, but they are centers. So you can more easily replace that position, I think. And, one thing I wanted to circle back with you on, Sean, that you touched on was kind of the, the decision between Anthony Simons and uh, Shaden and Sharp. And when you look at Shaden and Sharp and his upside, um, there are definitely some people in Portland who believe Shaden Sharp has all-star potential. Um, he's certainly a high flyer uh, and a highlight reel dunker at that. Um, following his his rookie year in Portland, I mean, what is your sense of Portland's view of shade and sharp long term and and what his upside could be uh, in a trailblazer uniform
1: they like him a lot they're very you know I, they're they're very high on him future wise to the to the point where i think that when we're talking about things they could do trade wise i don't think he would be put in play for anything short of like joel embiid asks out and wants to come to portland something like that i think would be the only way that they would really seriously look at putting Shaden in any kind of trade offers then that's why I said, they kind of realized they had to make a decision between them. And I mean, I, I just on paper, as far as, you know, physically and skill set wise, I think that Shaden makes more sense next to Dame than Anthony Simons does. It's a little bit less redundancy. Sharp has more size. He has more defensive upside, uh, and the other thing you have to keep in mind, and I know we talked about Simon's being on a really good contract for, you know, with the cap being what it is, but Shaden has three more years left on a rookie deal with, if you're if you're going to be paying Dame what they're paying him, paying Jeremy what I think they're going to have to pay him for him to come back. And then you trade for somebody who's making, you know, somewhere in the thirties, uh, potentially you need guys that are as talented as he is on, you know, a rookie contract. So I think that all of that together, I think that's, you know, that, that's somebody they view firmly as, as a long-term piece of the future.
0: I think I, I would agree pretty much with that analysis. And then, um, and we didn't get a chance to touch on this a ton in Chicago, but I wanted to ask you about him. Um, Chauncey Billups, the head coach of Portland. Um, When, when you look at, look, you touched on a little bit, right? They've had some situations where they've had a essentially tank and look to improve their draft positioning, what is the view in Portland from management as far as the job that Chauncey's doing and, and what type of coach um, he ultimately is? I, I, I'm curious from that aspect because, uh, you know, when you've got, you're trying to win with Dame. You know, I know Chauncey was certainly Neil O'Shea's guy. Um, you know, you're around Joe Cronin on a day-to-day basis more than I am so what is the viewpoint internally within Portland on Chauncey Billups and the job he's done to this point? And looking ahead, is, is he the guy to continue leading this team uh, as they're trying to eventually, they hope, compete uh, for a title one day?
1: As of right now, I think there's still a lot of belief long-term in, in what he can be as a coach. And I think a lot of people feel like, I know Chauncey feels this way. And actually, honestly, this is I was a little bit surprised by the honesty here from Joe. Cr- I'm actually going to pull this quote up directly because I think this was a pretty telling quote. Uh, this is from the from Joe's exit interview uh, when he was asked about, uh, you know, Chauncey's, uh, you know, what what he's seen from him. This is this is from Joe Cronin at exit interviews, quote. I think he's done a great job. I don't think I dealt him a great hand this season. We made some good additions in our starting lineup, started to get pretty solid. But I don't think I did him any favors by giving him the lack of depth that would have given us any sustainability once we had some of these injuries. So this is Joe saying that, you know, even though this season didn't go the way people wanted it to go because they went into this past season intending to make the playoffs after doing the Jeremy Grant trade. Joe is putting that on himself, and you know for not really ha- for having a pretty top heavy roster and not having a lot of front court depth more than that he's putting it on chauncey and if you talk to players, you know particularly dame and jeremy grant, basically the players whose opinions matter about these things, they all still fully believe in chauncey and that you know i I think he has a lot of work to do. He's still pretty inexperienced. I do think there will be some changes on his staff. I know you reported last week that David Atkins, their director of player development, is gonna, isn't gonna is going to be back. I think there's going to be some other changes coming. You've already seen his lead assistant, Scott Brooks. Doesn't look like he made the finalist stage, but he was in the mix for the Bucks job. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in Houston, if Harden goes back there because they have a relationship with, from back in the Oklahoma City days. So I think there will be some changes on the staff when it comes to you know, bringing in maybe some more experienced guys to help Chauncey along. But I think they feel like the first year there was all the front office upheaval and that roster was clearly just not working at all. And they had to you know pivot midseason and clean a lot of that stuff up. And then last year, they, you know, Joe felt like he didn't really put Chauncey in a great spot. So I think they, at this point, the feeling in the organization is that they still want to give him a shot with a real, you know, competitive roster, whatever they're able to do this off season. And then, you know, if they do make the roster moves that they want to make this summer, and then they go into next season and they're still underperforming, then I think at that point, maybe they start looking at the head coaching position. But as of right now, I haven't heard anything to suggest that they're considering that right now.
0: That's a heck of a quote from Joe Cronin. Cause as you know, rarely is it, it yeah. It's a lot. Of,
1: I mean, I'll tell you this, his, uh, his predecessor, uh, when he fired Terry Stotts after they lost in the first round to a Denver team that didn't have Jamal Murray or Michael Porter sat up there at his exit interview and said the first round exit was not a product of the roster. And then basically didn't change the roster that off season. So that quote from Joe Cronin is a little bit of a one eighty.
0: Yeah. That's uh, to say the least, usually, uh, you know, the coach gets in the crosshair of a, of a GM who, uh, may have some job security issues there. But I guess we'll round it up off with uh with these guys coming up uh for Portland's offseason. You look at two guys that are eligible for restricted free agency if they're given a qualifying offer and that's uh Cam Reddish and Matisse Dybel. So for Cam Reddish it would be eight point one million dollars if he got a qualifying offer and for Matisse Dybel, about six point three million dollars um for a qualifying offer potentially to me, I would think both these guys would get the uh qualifying offer for Reddish. He was the uh kind of the key piece in the, in the Josh Hart trade and Matisse Theibel seemed like uh, he, he, he thrived when he had a chance to play in Portland. I, I was very surprised that he was out of the rotation in Philly um, for most of the year until he went to, to Portland. When when you look ahead towards free agency for these guys, what's your forecast for both of them?
1: I definitely think Five will be back. I think that's going to be a priority for the front office. They really liked what they saw out of him. Obviously, everybody knows the impact that he makes on the defensive end, but I think the thing that really stood out was just how much better his shooting was than it was in Philadelphia for most of his time there i think and i think a lot of the you know basically playing alongside dane he was just getting a ton of open spot up looks and catch and shoot looks and i think they feel like that wasn't a fluke and that you know if he's getting those types of looks playing next to someone like dane who commands so much attention from the defensive end uh they you know he can knock down 35 36 percent of that easily and you know the other thing to keep in mind there is that he's also repped by goodwin which is dame's agency so For a lot of reasons, I think that he's going to be a priority for them to re-sign. I haven't really asked around yet about what the number is going to be, but I think it would probably be something pretty reasonable. But that's somebody that I think they're going to really make a priority and make an effort to re-sign. Reddish is interesting. I could see that going either way because they do like him. They liked what they saw out of him. I think he's definitely an NBA rotation player, but I think – on a contending team, he might be more of like a ninth or 10th man than like a core, you know, starter or, you know, core, you know, six man or something like that. But I think that one will come down to the number and you know, I, I, can't, I can't imagine there'll be much of a market for him in restricted free agency because the Knicks basically couldn't, you know, didn't really find a lot at the deadline when they were trying to move him. And he was basically a throw in in the in the Josh Hart trade along with that first round pick that was really Portland's motivation for doing that deal. So If they can get him back, I look at the deal that Nasir Little signed the extension where the four years, 28, which is a pretty below market deal for, you know, guys signing a rookie extension. If they could get Reddish back for something like that, or like a deal with a bunch of like partial guarantees and stuff like that, I think that's something they would be open to. I don't think they're going to commit huge money to him. I think if you had to ask me which of those two guys is more likely to be back, I definitely would say it would be viable, but I think they'd be open to bringing Reddish back under the right number
0: no it's interesting I, I agree with you on thiable, I think for reddish um, it's interesting this guy you talk to people around the league he's always got all this talent, but it's about putting it together in consistency um and and having that opportunity so you know to me we'll see I mean he's a guy that every every like i don't know five games or so this guy drops twenty or or has like a big scoring night and you go hey there there is talent here so
1: that's why I say if he's your you know tenth or eleventh man, that's not the worst guy in the world to have in your rotation or kind of on the back end. But I don't know if he, I don't know if he's somebody they want to pay like mid level money to and really expect him to you know be a contributor every single night. Maybe he develops into that in a more stable situation and stays in Portland and does that. I don't know, but I I think that Thibault is going to be more of a priority for them to re sign than Reddish is out of those two guys.
0: Gotcha. And I mean, look, it's going to be a busy offseason for Portland like I touched on in the open brother, I, I look forward to seeing your coverage on it. Um, and I invite people to check out your newsletter as I touched on in the open. I appreciate you joining me on the pod, brother. A lot of good talk. It seemed like uh, pretty much a continuation from, uh, from Chicago and I'm looking forward to seeing it at the, uh, the draft and then in Vegas for the uh, summer league.
1: I won't be at the draft, but I will be at summer league.
0: All right. Well, then I guess I'll see you you in
1: Vegas. Now, the draft is funny. The draft is the one NBA event that I've never covered and have no desire to cover. Like, I would have thought about it if they had gotten the number one pick and it was going to be Wemby. But, you know, the you know, with Joe Cronin doing a press conference after the draft in Portland at the facility, it makes more sense for me to stay there. But I will be in Vegas. I'll see you there.
0: Looking forward to it, brother. And I also want to thank everyone else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoops Hype podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Sean as well. He's at Hyken. That's H-I-G-H-K-I-N. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours... All the best.